Well, I am excited about this series we've been doing the last few weeks called Hard Love. So everybody say Hard Love. Hard Love. We've been talking about this incredible book of the Bible, the book of James, one of my favorite books in the whole Bible. We've just been kind of stepping through it week after week. Today, we are going to be in James chapter 3. James chapter 3, verse 1. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open them there or your notes or your LifeGate app and get ready to follow along today. While you're doing that, let me just tell you, Easter is two weeks away. I can't believe it is almost here. One of the greatest opportunities we have all year long to reach people. In fact, people will go to church on Easter that wouldn't go on any other Sunday. And that is why we are on Easter weekend having five Easter worship experiences. We are believing God. We're going to go over the top to reach people on Easter weekend two weeks from now. And we need your help on this. If you haven't yet signed up to help us by volunteering or volunteering an extra time for Easter, you can do that on your LifeGate app today. That would help us so much. We also want you to invite. Everybody say invite. Invite somebody to come with you on Easter. Don't come to Easter alone. And all of you know family and friends and people that you know that aren't in church that should be in church. Bring them with you on Easter. We want to make that easy for you. We've provided a couple of different ways today. If you would like to invite some of your neighbors or friends, stop by the table out there in the lobby. And uh, Miss Tina will help you with uh, just a kind of a fun way to invite your neighbors and friends. We have provided that for you to just help Help us with that. Also, we know that personal invitation is the best kind of invitation to invite someone. So we have created these invite cards for you. You can stop by the Welcome Center and pick them up. On the front is all the information about Easter, but on the back, we've given you a, a, a place where you can actually write a, a note personally to your friend. You can stick it in the mail or you can invite them personally. The best way to do it is just go to them personally, write a note, hand it to them, invite them, just tell them, hey, I'll pick you up on Saturday night. I'll pick you up on Sunday morning and bring you with me. And man, I'm telling you, God is going to do great things. and It's going to be because you invite and because we pray. In fact, how many believe we ought to be praying for our Easter services coming up, right? And that's what we're going to do tonight at five o'clock. Everybody say five o'clock. Tonight at 5 o'clock, we're going to have a time and on our first Sunday. We do this every first Sunday of the month, a time of worship. And tonight, we're going to specifically be praying for our Easter services and for your friends and family that are going to come. So we want you to join us tonight at 5 o'clock. All right? You ready for that? All right. Like two of you are ready. You ready for that? All right, let's jump in today. We've talked about James, and we've been talking about how James is a straight shooter. Man, James tells it like it is. He doesn't pull any punches. He's not politically correct. He deals with some hard subjects, but what we have learned is that the motivation behind it is always love, that James speaks the truth to us, but he speaks the truth about hard subjects because he loves us, because he wants the best for us. And so that's why we named the series Hard Love, and we've already talked about a few hard hard subjects already in this series. We talked the first week about struggles and problems and how all of us are going to have problems. Even if you're a Christian, it doesn't nullify you from problems and struggles in your life. Then Pastor Colton talked about anger and how do we deal with anger that happens in our life. Last week, we talked about one of the most difficult subjects of all when we talked about prejudice. We talked about prejudice comes in so many different forms. If you weren't here last week, I would encourage you to check out the podcast because I believe there's something to speak to everyone from last week. But today, we're going to talk about a subject that I believe will hit 
every single person here today. There is not one person in this room that is not affected by the subject that we're going to talk about today. And that subject is this. We're going to talk about the power of our tongue. How many know our tongues are powerful? Come on, right? How many know that our words carry so much power that our worlds can be changed by the words that we speak? In fact, in Proverbs, the Bible says that life and death are in the power of the tongue. This little flapping piece of flesh in our mouth that can make such a huge difference in every one of our Lives. We're going to talk about it a little bit today, and I think maybe one of the reasons that it is so powerful is because we use it so much. How I many know what I'm saying? Like over and over and over, we use our words, we speak words. In fact, statistics tell us this, that the average person speaks 30 conversations in a day. Man, that's a lot of words. In fact, one-fifth of our lives are actually spent speaking. Man, that's, that's a lot A lot of speaking, a lot of words. In fact, check this out. In one year, we will speak enough words to fill an 800-page book 66 times. That's a lot of words. Men, men, we speak a lot of words. In a day, the average man speaks 20,000 words. Now, women, why why y'all laughing? (laughs) Women, the average woman actually speaks... 30,000 words in a day. Some of you thought it was going to be way worse than that, right? One person after the first service told me the reason that women speak more words than men is because they have to repeat themselves so that men will hear it. Come on, all the ladies in the house say amen. And, you know, I heard about one guy, though, that was like he was talking to his friend and his friend was like, doesn't just bother you that your wife always has to get the last word. And the guy looked at his friend and said, no, I'm just usually happy when she gets to it. You know, I mean, and here's the deal. Our words are, they are, they are incredibly powerful. And if they are very powerful, then we ought to learn how to manage them. We ought to learn how to have some control over our tongue. And this is what James talks about in James chapter 3. In fact, let's take a look at it together. In James chapter 3 and verse number 1, let's read it along together. It's on the screen there today. It says, not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that those who teach will be judged more strictly. That's a little bit scary for me. And then look what he goes on and says in verse number two, we all stumble in many ways. For anyone who has never been at fault in what they say is, what is that word? Everybody say it aloud. Is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. Now think about that for a second. That's a scary word. That the Bible talks about, like, we ought to be perfect with our words. Now, I know many of us are going, wait a minute, that is impossible. There is no way that I'm ever going to be perfect in my words. And yet we have to understand what James is talking about here when he uses the word perfect. Because as we study the word perfect in the Greek, we will see that it's not, it's not the way we think of as perfect. But actually, the word for perfect there is actually the same word that we would use for the word mature. So everybody say mature. And here's what James is saying. He's not saying we're going to be perfect in our words. Here's what he's saying. He's saying that actually the words that we speak actually are one of the greatest indicators of the level of our health and maturity when it comes to our spirituality. And isn't that true? Like you can actually measure how healthy someone is, how spiritually mature they are by the words that they speak. It's that way in, it's that way in the physical, actually. When you go to the doctor, what, when they're going to measure your health, you're going to get a checkup. What's the first thing the doctor says to do? 
Stick your tongue out. Like, put your mouth, open your mouth, stick out your tongue. And what are they doing? They're looking in your mouth to actually discover how healthy your physical body is. And you know what? The same principle applies when it comes to, when it comes to our spiritual health and maturity, that our words are the greatest indicator for where we're at in our spiritual life. This is, this is such important stuff for every single one of us. So let's look at it a little bit today. And let's study James chapter 3, and let's just see a couple of things that James has to say about the power of our tongues. If you're taking notes, you can write these down today. The first one is this, that my tongue has the power to direct where I go. Here's the deal here today, guys. You got to understand that your tongue is like the steering wheel of your life. Your life, the, where, the direction of your life and where you end up in life so many times is going to be determined by the words that you speak. In fact, the one, one person says your words create your world. And how many know that's so true? That the words we speak have, have this power to direct where we wind up, what kind of world that we're going to end up living in. In fact, this is what James is talking about in verse number three. Look what he says. He says, we put bits into the mouths of horses and we can turn the whole animal. How many of you have ever ridden a horse before? Come on, raise your hand. How many of you, uh, maybe you haven't ridden a horse, but you've seen someone who's very skilled at riding horses. Maybe you've watched, you know, on TV, the Kentucky Derby or something like that. And you think about, think about how incredible it is that, that here you've got, this, you've got this majestic animal, so incredibly strong and fast and powerful. And here you've got maybe a thoroughbred that weighs probably about 1,200 pounds. And yet that 1,200-pound powerful animal can be steered by a little 90 pound four foot tall jockey right and how do they do that by putting a bit into the horse's mouth and this is what James is saying is that that our mouth actually has the power to direct our life to determine where we're going to end up in life by the words that we speak in fact he goes on and says in verse number four look what he says or take ships for an example although they are so large and driven by strong winds they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. How many of you ever been on a big ship before? Maybe done some sailing. Maybe some of you have been on a cruise ship. That's a little more my speed, right? And I, I, I remember uh, several years ago now when Amber and I first got married, we went on our honeymoon and we went on a, like a carnival cruise uh, for our honeymoon. I remember getting on that ship and you walk up to it and the thing is, I mean, it's massive. If you've ever seen one before in person, it's, it's unbelievable. It's like several stories uh, high and I mean like several football fields long on our cruise ship, man, it had like two swimming pools it had several restaurants and meeting areas and all of these rooms and all of this stuff and I mean it's incredible like a a cruise ship I looked it up online can be up to 60,000 tons think about that for a second that that is 120 million pounds that's big right and yet this huge cruise ship with all of these levels and all this length and all of this stuff and all these people on it can be steered by the captain who is using a little small wheel. That's powerful. And here's what James is saying about our words, is that they're just like that captain steering that huge ship, that our words will steer our lives, that where we wind up in life many times will be determined by the words that we speak. Do we or do we not have control over our words? In fact, you think about it. Think about it in your, in your career. Think about it at your job, that so much of it is dependent upon how you use your words. 
If you're a person who can keep a confidence, if you're a person who speaks with loyalty, if you are, if you are a person who can be trusted to say the right thing at the right time and not say the wrong thing at the wrong time, how many know you will gain favor in your work and you will climb the ladder and you will be successful? But if you're a person that can't keep a confidence, if you're a person that can't keep your mouth shut, if you're a person who's constantly saying stuff at the wrong time and saying it in the wrong way, how many know it's going to affect your career and affect your work? Come on, right? How many know it's going to affect your marriage? If you can say the right thing at the right time, guess what? You're going to have a better marriage. But if you're constantly sticking your foot in your mouth, you're going to have struggles in your marriage, right? How many know you have even the power to direct your children by the words that you say? Like when you speak into them, you can actually give them direction for their life by your words. You can direct them in good directions or you can direct them in bad directions by the words that you speak. And not just the words that you speak, but even how you speak those words to them. Come on. You have power. Those of you that are leaders, those of you that, that, are, that are bosses and employers, guess what? You have power to direct your employees and to direct those that you are leading and to direct the business that you, that you, are, that you are managing by the, by the words that you speak. In fact, lives can even be changed. In two weeks on Easter, your words can actually speak into someone's life by inviting them to church that could change the direction of their life forever. That's the power of our words. Our words, our tongue has the power to direct where we go. Number two, write this one down. Our tongue not only has the power to direct where we go, number two, it has the power to destroy what I have. In fact, look what James goes on to say in verse number five. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue is also a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body and sets the whole course of one's life on what? Say it aloud. On fire. And it itself is set on fire by hell. Man, I'm telling you, James is a straight shooter. And basically he tells us, guys, we know the power of fire. Like, think about that. I mean, think about how incredibly destructive a fire can be, and yet the destruction of a fire that gets out of control can all be started with just a small little spark. In fact, every year, around this time of year, we'll see it. You turn on the news and you'll see it in places like California, Arizona. Just recently, a couple of weeks ago, we saw it happening in uh, northern Oklahoma and Kansas, these fires that will get out of control. You ever seen that before? And, man, I mean, it, incredible destruction to the point where they, you know, they're evacu- evacuating entire neighborhoods and cities and homes are destroyed and businesses are destroyed and millions and millions of, damage that, of, of dollars of damage that are happening in these communities where these fires get out of control. In fact, I remember several years ago, I saw on the news where, where there was this huge forest fire that happened in, in California. And I mean, dozens of businesses were destroyed, buildings, homes were destroyed, millions and millions of dollars. And after they finally kind of got the fire under control, they began to do a little bit of investigation to try to figure out what it was that caused the fire. And after they investigated this huge fire that caused all this destruction, they came down to finding out that the fire was started by a little boy in his backyard playing with matches and that's the destruction of our words that little words that we think oh it's not really a big deal that we just I mean it's just words and yet those little sparks can actually set our whole lives ablaze in fact how many times have words 
cause destruction in people's lives. How many people have been burned by words that have been spoken to or about you? Come on, right? How many times have, have we spoken words that were critical words or words that were, that were gossip that ruined someone's reputation or words that caused destruction in our marriage or in a relationship or that hurt people's feelings beyond the place of being able, to, being able to make up for the words that we spoke? You see, our words are powerful. They have the power to destroy what we have. They're like a fire. You think about a fire for just a second. You think about that, that a fire, when it is under control can actually be used for great life. I mean, you think about it. It, it, can, it can bring great light. It can bring great warmth when it, when it is contained and when it is controlled. If you've ever been camping, you know what I'm talking about. You, you build a fire because at night you need that fire for the warmth and for the light. But what do you do? You put something around it to contain the fire. If that fire ever gets out of containment, it can bring great destruction. And it's the same way with our words. That the same tongue that can actually bring life can actually also bring death. That the same, the same mouth that can actually bring great light and can bring great warmth and can bring great encouragement and can speak life into others is the same, is the same mouth that can actually bring, bring destruction. In fact, the scripture says in Proverbs 15 and verse 4 in the message, it says, kind words help and heal, but cutting words wound and maim. And we've all experienced that before. We've experienced kind words that have helped, but we've experienced words that have brought destruction in our lives. The tongue has the power to direct where I go, the power to destroy what I have. Number three, the tongue has the power to display who I am. Man, this is, this is probably the scariest one of all. Because the truth of the matter is, when I open my mouth, you know what I've done? I've opened up a window into my heart. Because the words that come out of my mouth, you know what they do? They tell everyone on the outside what's actually happening on the inside. In fact, this is what James is talking about in verse number 9. He says, with the tongues we praise our Lord and Father. And with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers, this should not be. Now, how many have ever done this before? Come on, just be honest. How many have ever come to church, you worship Jesus with your mouth, you say amen at the right time of the message, you say all the right stuff, and then you get out into the car, someone cuts you off, and then suddenly other stuff's coming out of your mouth, right? Right? I mean, we just told Jesus he was number one, then we're telling other people they're number one, but not with the same finger, you know? Come on. And you go, like, how does that happen? Like, I just worship Jesus. And now I'm yelling at the kids. Now I'm, now I'm saying stuff that I shouldn't be saying. Well, James tells us why it happens in verse number 11. He says, can both fresh water and salt water come from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grape, uh, grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh, fresh water. Here's what he says. If you want to understand why you're struggling with your mouth, here's what you got to do. You got to go to the source. Because what's in the water or what's in the well is going to come out in the water. That's what he says. What's in the tree is going to come out in the fruit. And what's in your heart is going to eventually come out in your words. Jesus said it like this. He says, hey, you got to watch it because out of the overflow of your heart, your mouth is going to speak. And some of us, man, we speak cutting words, hurting words, words that we go, where did that come from? And sometimes we even think, well, that just, that wasn't me. Yeah, it was. Because what's inside is going to come out. In the form of our words. In fact, think about it like this. Imagine if I had a sponge. If I soaked that sponge in water and then I squeezed the sponge, what's going to come out of the sponge? Water. And why is water going to come out of the sponge? 
Some people say, because you squeeze it. No, it's not because I squeezed it. It's because there was water in it, right? If I take that same sponge and I soak it with orange juice and I squeeze the sponge, what's going to come out? Orange juice. Now, some of us, here's what we do. We go, well, life squeezed me. Like the pressure was on. I felt the stress. And that's why those words came out. No, no, no. It wasn't because of the squeeze or the pressure or the stress. You know what it was? It was because that was what was inside. And so if it's inside, it's going to come out eventually, especially when the pressure and the squeeze and the stress of life are on. So what do I have to do? I have to understand that my tongue has the power to display who I am, what's happening inside of me. So if I want to control the tongue, what do I have to do? I have to control what I'm putting inside of me. I've got to fill up my life with good things, with godly things, with the word of God, so that even when the pressure is on, it'll be good stuff that will come out of my mouth. So what do we do? Everybody say, what do we do? What do we do? If we're struggling with our tongue, and that's all of us, no one is perfect in this way. So what do we do about it? Well, I believe James gives us a few tips. And in order to see these tips, we're going to have to back up a couple of chapters to James chapter 1 to a passage that Pastor Colton dealt with a little bit in, in part 2 of this series. But I want to look at it a little bit more as it pertains to our, to our words. In James chapter 1 and verse 19, look what it says. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Right in this passage, I believe James gives us three or four things that will really help us when it comes to the power of our tongue. If you're taking notes, you might want to write them down. The first one is this, is you're going to have to open your ears. Everybody say, open your ears. When it comes to controlling our tongue, you know where it really first starts? It starts with our ears. In fact, look what he says there. He says, everyone should be what? Should be quick to listen. In fact, here's the deal, guys. God gave you two ears and one mouth for a reason. That means that you ought to listen twice as much as you speak. And the truth is, man, how many know we'd get ourselves in a whole lot less trouble if we would actually listen twice as much as we speak? But here's the problem is that most of the time we speak before we have really listened. And it causes problems in our relationships. We're like, my wife didn't tell me. No, she told you. You just weren't listening. Come on, right? All the ladies ought to say amen. On that. The problem was that we weren't listening. And we're not very good listeners if you're just honest. I'm not either sometimes. Like, like just a couple, couple of weeks ago, this happened to me. Like, we were having a struggle getting our, getting our car inspected because the check engine light was on. We went and got the check engine light fixed. But you know how it works. you got to drive it a little while before you can actually go get the inspection sticker done. Well, I didn't drive it long enough because I want to get that inspection sticker done. So we took it to the, I took it to the little quick lube place to get the inspection done. They drove it around, put it on the thing, come back and said, the, you know, it's not going to pass because it tripped the deal or whatever. And I'm like, okay, well, I'll bring it back later. And they're like, well, that will be $25. I was like, no, it won't. <laughs> you didn't give me no inspection sticker. I ain't giving you no $25, you know. And I kind of got a little upset. I just made sure they didn't see the LifeGate sticker on the back of my car. <laughs> but I wasn't using my words wisely. I'll just say that. I was frustrated. And finally, the guy goes, sir, if you'll just listen, I'll tell you. You don't pay $25 now. You go drive it a little bit more, bring it back, and we'll inspect it. You don't have to pay for it twice. So I was like, why didn't you tell me that, you know? <laughs> Because you weren't listening. Guess what, guys? That's most of us. And ladies sometimes, too. We're not very good at listening. And here's the deal. we got to understand. Listening, I mean, there's a difference between hearing and listening. Hearing only requires ears. Listening requires ears, mind, and hearts. And it's impossible to speak if we are listening at the same time. So we've got to... Open our ears. Everybody say, open your ears. 
Number two, write this one down. Here's what you're going to have to do. You're going to have to use your brain. Everybody look at your neighbor. Tell them, use your brain. Man, here's what we're going to have to do. If we're going to control our mouths, then it starts with our brain. Before we engage our mouth, we have to use our brain. In fact, this is what James is saying. He says we should be quick to listen and we should be what? We should be slow to speak. What does that, what does that require? It requires that before I speak, I'm going to think about it before it comes out of my mouth. That's going to slow the process down a little bit and get us in a whole lot less trouble. In fact, I, I like my dad used to give this little, preach this little sermon about thinking before you speak. And he used the word think that I think it would help you if you just remember these things. The T is this, before I speak is what I'm about to say, is it true? If it ain't true, don't say it. The H is, is it, is it helpful? Hey, if I can't say something that helps people, then I'm not going to speak it. In fact, in Ephesians 4.29, it says, Let us uh, not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs. I'm going to think before, I'm, before I speak. Before words come out of my mouth, I'm going to think, is this true? Is it helpful? The I is, is it impulsive? How many know sometimes we just speak on impulse? We speak on feelings. And here's the problem, is that sometimes we speak what we felt in the moment, but then the moment passes and we feel different, but it's too late because we already spoke. And so I have to think. I slow the process down. I use my brain. I think, is it true? Is it helpful? Is it impulsive? The end is, is it necessary? How many know there are some things that are true, but they're just not necessary? Right? In fact, I'll just tell you what mama used to say. If you can't say anything good, don't say nothing at all. How many know we could all do better if we just applied that to our lives? The K is this, is it kind? Am I going to speak words? Before I think, I'm going to think, is this, is this going to be a kind word? The Bible says in Proverbs 12 and 25, an anxious heart weighs a man, a man down, but a kind word cheers him up. You know, I came across this quote a couple weeks ago that just said this, cool may win in high school, but kind wins in life. And so I'm going to, I'm going to open my ears. I'm going to use my brain. Number three, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to close my mouth. In fact, that's two weeks in a row I told y'all to shut up in church. I'm going to close my mouth. How many know that our tongue would cause us a whole lot less trouble if our mouth was closed securely around it? In fact, I saw this quote one time said, you've never seen a fish on the wall with its mouth closed. Some of y'all will get that a little later. But most of the time it's our open mouth that causes the most problems. And so what are we going to do? Sometimes we're just going to think, hey, is this something needs to be said? And if it's not something needs to be said, then I'm not going to say it. I'm going to keep my mouth closed. In fact, in Proverbs 10 and verse 19, it says, when words are many, sin is not absent. Think about that for a second. The more I speak, the more likely I am to sin. When words are many, sin is not absent. But he who holds his tongue is wise. Everybody hold your tongue and say that. He who holds his tongue is wise. How many know it's hard to get yourself in trouble? You look a whole lot more wise when you're holding your tongue, right? In fact, look what the scripture says in Psalm 39 and verse 1. It says, I said to myself, I will watch my ways and keep my tongue from sin. I will put a muzzle over my mouth. Think, just think about that a minute. Just imagine if we just walked around with muzzles on our mouth. In fact, I've thought about this as a pastor a few times. When you walk in, we just hand you a worship guide and a muzzle. Everybody put them on. Sometimes we just need to say, hey, I don't need to say that. 
Man, it may be funny, may make me look cool, may make other people think that I'm cool, but if it's going to be hurtful or if it's not going to lift others up, I'm going to zip it, right? So I'm going to open my ears. I'm going to use my brain. I'm going to close my mouth. And number four, write this one down. I'm going to speak my heart. See, there, there are times when it's something that's not necessary and it's not helpful and it doesn't need to be spoken, and so I'm not, I'm not going to speak it. But there are times when there are encouraging words that God puts on your heart, and we've got to speak those words with boldness and with confidence. In fact, it would be easy in a message like this to just tell everybody, hey, be quiet and don't say anything. And sometimes that's the answer. But sometimes it is that, hey, no, I'm not going to just make sure that I'm not using my tongue for death. I'm going to also make sure that I'm using my tongue to speak words of life. That's what Ephesians said in verse 4, 29, or chapter 4, verse 29. Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may what? That it may benefit those who listen. How many know that your words can't benefit those who are listening if you don't speak them? And so there are times, man, there are times when things will come to my mind or into my heart, and I, and I think about it, but I don't say it. And here's something that I've been trying so hard to live by, and I stumble so much in this. I'm not good at it. And every time I talk about the power of the tongue, I try to come back to it and try to remember it. But here's what I've tried to live by, a, a rule that we ought to all try to live by is this, is that if I think of something good about someone, say it. And don't delay. Say it right then and right there. Because here's what happens is that this world is so full of criticism. And the truth of the matter is, it's easy to fall on that side of being negative. And the things that we speak the most tend to be the critical negative things. And the things that are actually positive and encouraging. So many times we think them, but we don't say them. But how much life could we give to people if when those positive things came to mind, we actually said them out, spoke them over people. You know, I remember a few years ago, as, as the Lord was trying to teach me this principle, one time I was praying, and I was praying for the Lord to send people to LifeGate, and I remember I specifically prayed for this one family. I prayed, God, send us people that are like that family, and I named them by name. And as I said that, as I prayed that prayer, the Lord put it in my heart, said, you need to tell them that you prayed that. And so I picked up the phone and told them, hey, you know what? You guys are so amazing that here's what I pray. When I pray, I pray people will send, or God will send people just like you to LifeGate Church. And they said, man, I needed to hear that so much. That was such an encouragement to me. What could happen if you spoke that kind of encouragement into people's life on a daily, daily basis? What could happen in your marriage? What could happen with your kids? Come on, right? What if you spoke? And so many times as parents, it's the easiest thing in the world to just point out all all the stuff. Hey, you didn't do good on your homework. You need to clean up your room. You need to go change your shirt. You need to all that. And so many times those are the words that we speak. But then when we see our kids and we're proud of them and we think, man, this, they're so awesome. And yet we never say it to them. In fact, just, I mean, just this last week, two days ago, Man, I, I came up here to the church to drop off Easton, and Briley and Addie were up here with, with uh, the LifeGate youth and, the, and the, what they're doing with the girls. And they had this girls' night, by the way. I'll just say it right now because it came to my mind. Megan doing an awesome job with our, with our teenage girls. So thankful for that. And I peeked my head in here as they were doing worship, and my daughter was playing the guitar, and my other daughter was playing the little cajon drum thing. And man, I, man, I, like tears started filling my eyes because I was so proud of them. You know what I did? When they got home that night, I didn't even wait. I called them in there and said, you know what, guys or girls, I, I saw you up there. Girls, I, I said girls. All right. I saw you up there, and I was so, I was so proud of you. And I told them, I said, I'm not just proud of what you did but I'm proud of who you are. You know what? Sometimes, parents, what we do is we tell our kids how proud of what they did. But you know what we, they really need to hear from us is how proud of 
who they are, that we love them in that way. And man, I'm telling you, if we would use our words, our words have the power of life and death. And so what do we do? We decide every day that I'm going to speak life. In fact, this is what the scripture says in Hebrews 3 and verse 13. It says, see to it, brothers, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God, but encourage one another, what? Daily. As long as it's called today, don't wait till tomorrow and do it every single day. Speak words of life. Some of you, this is what you need to do. Before you even leave today, you need to get your phone and send a text message to someone that you love. You need to find someone in the lobby and speak a word of life into them, of encouragement as God puts it in your heart. And I'm telling you, in a world that's filled with negativity and criticism, what a difference could we make if we would decide, man, I'm going to use my words to speak words of life because I know my tongue is powerful. It has the power to determine where I go and where others go. It has the power to destroy what I have. It has the power to display who I am. So I'm going to fill my life up with good things and I'm going to speak those words into others. And I'm telling you, it will make all the difference. Amen.